chapter number four, book of Nehemiah, start reading in verse number one, but it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. This is Nehemiah responding to that in verse 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof for the people had a mind to work. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. For the people had a mind to work. God, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for your touch of glory, your presence, your power, your spirit, your people, your word all of the glorious and wonderful things that you have brought to pass and all of the tremendous things that are yet to come. We give you the praise for all these things. We ask you to be with us in a special measure. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. book of Nehemiah is, in my theological opinion, one of the most important books in the Old Testament. And Nehemiah is one of my heroes. It is a book of restoration. It is a book of rebuilding. It is a book that has nuances of truth and data. Spiritual information that cannot be found anywhere else in Holy Writ. The reason for that is is because of the context in which we find the beginning of this great book. We understand, as I've already mentioned, and I think I even made mention of this last week, that the nation of Israel, in a theological subheading historically, you could break the history of the Jews into the period of time surrounding their captivity. 
And I am not referring to Egyptian captivity. I am referring to Babylonian captivity. But it's pre-exilic, exilic, and then post-exilic. That word exilic means exile. And I do not believe that it was ever revealed that God's people would ever be in bondage again. But yet, for whatever reason, they could not stay away from idolatry. Idolatry is the preeminent sin of the Bible, in which his people, even though they're now in living in houses they didn't build and fields they didn't cultivate, land they didn't domesticate, they could not keep God in the center of it all. And so through the process of time, God brought prophets and God brought men that would bring warning. And then we see the nation of Israel, we see that Jerusalem is completely destroyed and devastated and God's people are taken away in chains. There was a remnant that was left there, but it was, it was piecemeal. It was, it was a remnant that would never build. It was a remnant that was not the choicest of the people. And this was done on purpose. And so, in the book of Daniel, we see that Nebuchadnezzar's dream revealed that the nation of Israel, because they could not sustain a theocracy, they, God had moved them to uh, the times of the Gentiles, which means that they would be under Gentile rule uh, for the remainder of their history. And the very first part of that image represented Nebuchadnezzar. It was the head. But we also see in the book of Daniel that when Daniel set himself to prayer and fasting, we already saw that an angel revealed that he was wrestling with the prince of Persia and the prince of Grecia. This is important. There's not a lot that's revealed when it comes to spiritual warfare, but you see smatterings of it. And then you need Holy Ghost revelation and understanding to begin to put these great things together so that it actually gives us an understandable uh, picture or uh, we can understand what God is doing. But the next, the next nation that was going to defeat Babylon that would still have the rule over God's people was to be the Persians. And it was when the Persians were in control that we find Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a man in which God never spoke to him that I can find in the Word of God, never spoke to him one time. But Nehemiah developed a burden solely on the condition of God's people and on Jerusalem and on the nation of Israel. When he learned that Jerusalem was in rubble, when he learned that God's people were still disunified and just, just kind of scattered and just uh, still serving uh, their captors, that Nehemiah was brought to tears. He was devastated with a genuine burden to do something for God. And that's usually how a burden is developed is somebody will hear something 
uh, in the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost will begin to start a process in that individual's life, and they will give themselves to prayer, and they will give themselves to fasting until that burden becomes more clear and more defined and more refined. And so Nehemiah is still, uh, he's still a captive. In fact, he held a very important job by being the cupbearer, which means that he tasted every beverage before it was presented to the king, lest there would be uh, any poison in it or a toxin in it, in something that uh, somebody would want to remove the king, uh, the cupbearer would taste it. Uh, this is why it says in the book of Mark that if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. I think that's pretty neat. If you and I ingest anything while we're in the will of God and we are God's people, and no, this is not a vain attempt to talk about vaccination. I don't care if you get vaccinated or not. Oh, that's pretty weak. But Nehemiah was burdened to the place that he approached Artaxerxes. And he gained permission to go and begin to survey the condition of God's people and then ultimately rebuild the walls. This is not tonight going to be an exposition or exegesis of the book of Nehemiah. We don't have time for that. But it always begins with a man, and it begins with a vision, and it begins with a desire. The church that you're sitting in here this morning started because God sent a man and a woman. I'm not looking for any recognition. I'm not looking for kudos. I'm not looking for anything. I'm just telling you that God will never do anything without the cooperative element of humanity. God could do anything. God could think it into existence. God could snap his fingers. No. God requires that there is somebody on location, and then God will demonstrate. God will manifest. God will show up. Oh, come on. Somebody help me here today. It has to be a God thing. And Nehemiah went and began to survey the city, and things were broken down. Things were burnt. The nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem was an absolute rubble. But Nehemiah, being the leader that he was, he said, something needs to be done. And so, he started a work crew, and God's people that were on board with him began to build, and immediately you heard the voice of the enemy. I'm going to tell you, Sanballat and Tobiah are a common theme throughout the entire book of Nehemiah, and first, it just becomes verbal. The very first dimension of satanic attack against you is the devil just talking to you. The devil just saying things. The devil just lying. And then if you keep progressing, it will get physical. But I want to tell you, greater is he. 
You just got to have a made up mind. You ain't going to stop me. You ain't going to, you ain't going to, we aren't quitting. We're not bailing out. We're not walking away. We're not quitters. There ain't no quit in me. I've got so many scriptures to read today that talk about the minute that they started just, they were just a ragtag. I don't know. They weren't contractors. They didn't have their builder's license. They didn't, they didn't hardly even know what they were doing. But Nehemiah could, was, was given some type of ability where he just knew that the, this is where the limestone needs to go and this is where the fish gate was and that's where the sheep gate was and that's where the dung gate was and that's where this was. And Nehemiah began to direct the people that were with him. And it got so bad, the enemy started talking so loud and so much that the people that were working, they had a trowel in one hand and they had a sword in the other. But my Bible tells me they would not quit. They would not back down for the people had a mind to work. You know what the people said? The people said, if God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is in this, then how can we fail? This is God's city. This is God's people. And you're part of this. We need to pray right now. We need to pray for Sister Barbara Oblenis. I just got word two days ago that her husband, Bruce, is in the hospital and they're not giving him very long to live. And they sent Sister Barbara to the hospital yesterday, but they already sent her back home. But would you just, would you just pray with me right now? Sister Barbara is one of the longest standing members of Cornerstone. She was here from the very beginning. Let's just pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, I pray for Sister Barbara. I pray that you strengthen her, heal her, touch her. I pray for healing virtue to fill her body. I pray for her husband, Bruce. And although Bruce is not a member of this church, I'm praying for him. And I'm standing on the name of Jesus. And I'm claiming promises that are in the word of God that you keep your hand upon them and we ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you. You can almost watch as this story unfolds. The chapters a progression to the final chapter of completion. I've detailed these chapters, and we're not going to go through all these because we don't have time, but the very first one, as I've already mentioned, was the development of burden and the unity of purpose. The second one was resistance and spiritual warfare and overcoming obstacles. When Sanballat and Tobias could not get these guys to stop just by yelling at them, they went and got letters and tried to falsely accuse these people that were rebuilding these walls were actually doing it against the government.
You know, I thank God for Brother Tony Spell. Brother Tony Spell's a friend of mine. And uh, I think that the church is now enjoying some things because of some of his efforts. But the reality of it is, brothers and sisters, is the United States of America started by some people that were religious. Now, I am told that they were Shakers and Quakers, and I never really knew what all that stuff meant. You know, they had weird haircuts, and they looked funny. They had, you know, but I didn't know what a Shaker and a Quaker was. But when I read what a Shaker and a Quaker was, I thought, man, they sound like they're apostolic. And the people in England said, we don't want the Shaken and the Quaken. So they believed God so much, they said, we're going to get on a boat and we're going to go somewhere where we can worship God. So don't tell me that America is going to... This country was founded by people that quaked and shook under the power of the Almighty God. Go ahead and clap your hands. Go ahead and lift your voice. Go ahead and give Him praise. Now, Brother Larry Booker told me that he went to Plymouth Rock. And for those of you that didn't graduate from high school, Plymouth Rock is supposedly the very first settlement way back in 15-something. Well, there is a church at Plymouth Rock that goes all the way back. This is, this is the absolute truth. And Brother Booker went to the first church ever established in America at Plymouth Rock. And over the door, it said, and Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift. This country belongs to Acts 238. We are here to have a holy rebellion against the spirit of this world. Somebody shout. You don't think the devil knows that? The church at Plymouth Rock had Acts 2.38 over the front doors. So what are we doing at Cornerstone? It's Acts 2.38. I got it on my license plate, Acts 2.38. I got, you can see it coming and you can see it going. Because we have come to this community in this region with one message. 
I didn't come here with a committee. I didn't come here from an organization. I didn't come here from a group. I was sent from another place. And it's, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Oh, somebody praise him. Man, there's some church services, I think everybody in this church ought to be wearing a helmet like that. You, you fit right in this church. We had a church service here not long ago where somebody actually started running the wrong direction. And I'm thinking, the least we can do as God's people is teach people the difference between their left and their right. If you're going to run, go that way. Let's look at the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. This was the spiritual resistance that they faced. Verses 15, and it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. You know, there are some of you, now my wife says, honey, don't ever start a sentence like that. You know, there's some of you that the reason why Cornerstone is still here is because of you. Who was in that building on First and David? Would you please stand? Uh, please remain standing, Sister Sheila. I think these folks deserve a hand clap of recognition. All right, you may be seated. Oh, Pastor, you know, I don't like being recognized. I know, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate your, your humility. But if it wasn't for you, how many of you remember the storefront on Sprague Avenue? Would you please stand? I think they deserve a hand clap of recognition. Zach, did you stay seated on that one? You were there, but not really, right? Yeah. I want to tell you folks that you deserve a recognition of honor. You know what? I'm going to tell you why that is so valuable to me personally. And just, just listen to Nehemiah here today for a few moments. Because we're living in a day and age where if people don't like it, they can shop churches like they can different slices of cheese. 
You know what? It's dangerous to find a church that believes like you do because there's no room for conviction and there's no room for growth. And there's, oh, somebody needs to listen to me right now. And I'm not... I'm not excusing anything that wouldn't be right and anything that wouldn't be proper. But I'm going to tell you, could it be that God's got a calling on your life and it could not have been discovered in another environment, but you had to get into an environment where they believe people can step out of darkness and walk into the light of the glory of God. We've got home missionaries out there. We've got pastors. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. I talked to Brother Evan Hood yesterday. He's now pastoring in Carson City, Nevada. He got saved in this church as a 14-year-old snot-nosed kid. And I'll let him tell you the rest of his story, but he would have been, if you'd have seen him in a high school yearbook, it would have said, least likely to succeed. Well, he's pastoring a revival church right now in Nevada. How many of you were on Broadway? Would you please stand? I think these folks deserve some recognition. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor, why are you doing this? Because it is the responsibility of the present to sacrifice for the future. Well, that, I, you know, I didn't sign up for that, Pastor. I just want to go to a place where I can tap my toe and I like the beat and I like the singing. And no, I don't see that in the Bible. But my Bible says, freely you have received. We're not supposed to be a dead end. It's, it's the cycle of reciprocity. When God pours down the rain, then the fruit comes up. Oh, somebody help me out right now. How many of you that are here today we're in this church when we first moved in to this facility. Would you please stand? Okay, before, just remain standing. I want you to see how many precious people that God has sent our way. Thank you. Pastor, we've heard all that before, I know. But it's a powerful object lesson to see how that the present the building that you're about to see, the sanctuary was rated on the blueprints. I told I told the architect 
who is a denominational friend of mine. I'm this close to baptizing him in Jesus' name. And if you're visiting with us here today and you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, here is the water what hindereth thee. You need to go down and come up brand new. What God has done for others, God will do for you. I told the architect, Brother Jones, I said, listen, I want the building to seat a 1,000. So I looked at the blueprints at the seating arrangement, and they say 960. And I forgot, Brother Mike, that in our new building, he has the choir sitting on the platform. So it is designed to seat over a 1,000. Why does that mean something? There's not more people that God wants to put in here. There's not more people that need salvation. There's not more people that need liberation from prescription drugs and the spirits of this world. Now, let me have your attention. This is Nehemiah. Nehemiah, Nehemiah. When we first pursued that building across the street, now I want to tell you, this congregation, I feel like just reaching out. If I had hands that were like rubber bands, I'd, I'd just squeeze all of you. Because Brother Wokey, that banker down at the bank looked at my wife and I and said, how did you guys do this? Aren't we in a pandemic? Not God's people. Not God's people. Isn't it rubble, Nehemiah? No, this is God's people. Isn't it burnt to the ground, Nehemiah? No, this is God's program. The devil don't want a wall. What does that wall represent anyway? That wall represents identity. If you don't have a wall, you don't have any identity. If you don't have a wall, you have pluralism and fluidity in which there's no separation. There's no distinction. The problem with a lot of people, they have a wall, but they don't have a well. When you have a wall and no well, it's a prison. That wall is not to hold people in. That wall is to keep the world out. You can't have our well. Somebody just go ahead and shout. I'm almost done. Problem is, there's a lot of walls, but there ain't a lot of wells.
In the Old Testament, all those communities had a well because somebody had to have somewhere to water the flocks, to get water for their family. And then they had to defend them against marauders, so they said, let's build a wall. The wall represents individuality in God. It's a separation. So when we first when we first talked to this congregation about buying, man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And I, I realize that you should be nervous. Because that could mean I could fall down and just start rolling. See, a lot of guys want a pastor that's seminary trained and dignified. Look like Alfred Hitchcock coming in. Honey, I'll do whatever, whatever I feel to do when God gets on me. That's, that's what makes a person dangerous is, is See, the devil wants us to be like a library and like a, a denomination and like a cemetery. No, 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 no. Where there's life, there's noise. Make a joyful noise. Maybe sit. This is Brother PJ. Without a devil chasing, prison shaking, pastoral whipping. Whatever it takes. Would you say that again? Whatever it takes. This guy wouldn't be here today. He's got the victory today. Because of some of you. Now, this is Sister Danny. This is Exhibit B. There is somebody out there in apostolic land that God is going to raise up that will come through somehow and sweep her off her feet. But until, until then, I don't know what all she was involved in before she found truth, but she wouldn't be anywhere near going to heaven today, I can assure you. But today, she is a devil chasing, Holy Ghost praying intercession now this is exhibit Z we were saving the best for last listen listen there's only there's only a handful of people that really know the whole story you understand what I'm saying that this guy this guy, I'm telling you, Judge Judy would have thrown in the towel when dealing with this guy. But would you believe that him and his whole family have absolutely shuttered hell? Look at him. Look at Tyson. Look at Hope. Look at, come on, somebody.
You know what that new building represents? And this is why the devil is so afraid. There's more Sister Dannys out there. There's more PJs out there. There's come on, somebody. There's more Brother Sean's out there. There's we will not rest until we can pull them out. We can bring every one of them out of darkness by the authority of the name of Jesus. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. You know, I got one of these. This, this precious man of God gave one of these vests to both my wife and I. You know what that new building represents? Yellow, green, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. We got room for all of them. I could go all around this room. I could go all day. Where's Brother Tom Sacpopo? Work for, he, was, he was a letter right back there. Wave, wave your hand, Brother Tom. He had a pen pal in the Philippines that had been giving him a Bible study that there's only one way to be saved. And we can, I never even knew this man was in this city, but the Holy Ghost brought us together. You know what that building represents over there? There's more Brother Toms. There's more Ramils. There's, a, come on, somebody. This ain't about us four and no more. There's a world out there. Sister Rihanna, would you please stand? This is the songbird of Cornerstone right here. You know what that new building represents over there? There's a whole bunch of people out there. God's saying, if you make the ark bigger, I'll put more in the ark. And these are not just average sit on a pew. They are praying. They are fasting. They are in hope core. They are pushing the boundaries of the kingdom of God. Sister Bonnie, yes, you, please. You know what that new building represents? It ain't going to get me a plaque on the wall. You've just got a bunch more people sitting out there that God had a place. God has a target. God has a destination. So we're not doing this for the present.
I could go all over this congregation. I could just sit there while people are running the aisles and say, see that one right there, devil? Yeah. Yeah, a few years ago there was a needle in their arm. See that one right there, devil? You tried to get them to commit suicide, but now they're running the aisles because they're in their right mind. You see that one right there, devil? Their marriage is back together when it was on the skids. You see that one right there, devil? You see that one? You see that one? You see that one? You see that one? This ain't about us. It's about the future. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Now, let's talk about the present. The present is in our family life center where brother and sister Marks are going to be in charge of breaking this congregation down into teams where you can take it out on somebody in a volleyball court. (laughs) I'm just having fun. And then after, yeah, Thursday night throughout all the winter, we're going to have family sports night. And then afterwards in our commercial grade kitchen, we're going we're gonna to eat. But come Sunday, you can expect to look all around that congregation and see what God's adding to the church. You saw how God did this in progression. If I would have listened to the voice of the devil, we would have ended in a 700 square foot office suite. But my God's bigger than that. God said, no, I can do all things. You just stay on track and the buildings get bigger and the congregations get bigger and the anointing gets greater. Somebody! You are watching God develop a man. When when I see people doing good, oftentimes me and Jesus are the only ones that get to rejoice because nobody gets to hear everything because they don't know everything, but I remember a few things about Timmer. At one time it was kind of dimmer. Is that right, Timmer? We're just going to let that simmer. But the reason why I rejoice, he's not just a bump on a log. He's leading service. The anointing got on him about three weeks ago. And you could see what God wanted to do. In your face, devil! I I could go on every row here and just pull people out of this. You're all a miracle. You're all an incredible demonstration of your faith and God's ability. But only the proper environment can bring people out to escape from the limitations of organizational frames and paradigms to where there are no boundaries and there are no limits.
Let's stand.